Hello, this is Search for Truth. Many thanks for the privilege of your company today. It's great to have you with us. Now, this is week six in our series about helping new Christians grow. So far, we've looked at making a relationship with Christ, uh, the certainty of faith, cultivating Bible study and prayer, plus being guided by the Holy Spirit within us. Brian's called today's talk, Enjoying Christian Fellowship, which, as we'll find out, is just as vital to our Christian development. So, Brian, tell us more, please. All right, John. Thanks. Well, we've already seen that at the moment we receive Christ as Saviour, by personal faith, we are immersed in the Spirit into Christ's universal church, which is biblically referred to as being his body. From then on, it's important that each new believer is encouraged to get the best out of body life within the supportive context of the local church. In practice, this will mean following positive role models within that local church setting. The Bible hints at just such an informal mentoring policy when it mentions on occasions those who are examples to others. Some of the believers in the early local church of God in Thessalonica were spoken about in that way. So let's first pick up some points from there which will serve as a little revision for us, starting with the example of praying. We read in the verses in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verses 1 and 2 that Paul said, We give thanks, mentioning you in our prayers constantly. Yes, God wants our prayers to be so much more than prayers for just food and health, as we can see if we read through any of Paul's Bible prayers. You know, early African converts to Christianity were serious about praying. Each had a separate spot in the woods where he would pray. The paths to these became well-worn. If someone began to neglect prayer, it was soon apparent to the others who said, Brother, the grass grows on your path. It's good when a more established Christian can model for us how to be intentional and deliberate in prayer, making it a planned act whereby we get away from stuff and noise and agendas. Now in Mark chapter 1, from verse 36, we read about how the disciples disturbed Jesus' own early morning prayer time one day with the words, Everyone is looking for you! As if that was more important than prayer. After all, it's the Father who sets the mission agenda, not us. In fact, prayer saves time because it clarifies what's important and what's urgent and spares us a lot of things that are unnecessary. To find your sense of direction and the courage to do what's essential, be sure not to let the grass grow on your prayer path. The believers at Thessalonica were also Bible-oriented. And in verses 5 and 6 of chapter 1 we read, that they received the gospel in word and power and the spirit and full of conviction. In other words, God's word was being received with joy for what it really is, the word of God. Someone, someone called James Gray, has shared, On one occasion, when I was on a short vacation, I took a pocket edition of Ephesians with me, Paul's letter to the Ephesians. He said, Lying down one afternoon, I read all six chapters. My interest was so aroused that I read the entire epistle again. In fact, I did not finally lay it down until I had gone through it some 15 times. He then said, when I arose to go into the house, I was in possession of Ephesians, or better yet, it was in possession of me. 
I had the feeling that I had been lifted up to sit together in heavenly places with Christ Jesus, a feeling that was new to me. This testimony encouraged Gray to saturate his mind and heart with God's word so that he could freely communicate it to others. We should read the Bible to pursue God, to live in integrity, to develop respect for the Bible and to help overcome opposition. Back at Thessalonica, Paul and his preaching companions spoke of the kind of men we proved to be among you. This brings us to modelling authentic lives to each other. Someone has written on the topic of getting along with people that the six most important words are I admit I made a mistake. Then he said the five most important words are you did a good job. The four most important words, what do you think? The three most important words, after you please. The two most important words, thank you. The one most important word, we with the least important word we might add being I. First Thessalonians chapter 2 expands on that good advice, saying that Paul and his companions were gentle, affectionate, hard-working, devout, upright, blameless encouragers, sometimes like a father, sometimes like a mother. That's what we should each contribute to a genuine Christian fellowship which incubates a new life. And new Christians should commit to avail themselves of such warm Christian fellowship at every opportunity they can. The very first local Christian fellowship, the Church of God at Jerusalem, about which we read in Acts chapter 2, certainly did that. When we look at verse 41, we see that the step after believers' baptism is a step of addition to the fellowship of God's people locally. Far from this being something we take upon ourselves... These Bible passages make it clear this is the Lord's initiative in our hearts, one which, at a human level, we have a duty to respond to. And once added to that church fellowship, the first Christians found themselves in a fellowship which really functioned, as well as being involved in learning that lived, praying that powered, and worship that warmed. When persecution came, they supported each other in prayer. When problems came that threatened their unity, they looked to one another by God's help for their solutions. They were clearly interdependent. They needed each other, just as we need each other. The story is told of the effect upon others of the absence of a believer from church gatherings. The man concerned had faithfully been in attendance every week for many years, but for the past couple of weeks he had been absent. One of the other believers decided to pay the man a visit at his small cottage. Upon knocking, the door was opened almost immediately as if the occupant had been expecting a visit. After exchanging pleasantries, they both sat down beside the open fire in the living room, which brought a a welcome warmth to the situation. Nothing was said. They both just sat there, gazing into the vivid, amber glow of the fire. This took away any awkwardness. After a few minutes, the visitor reached forward and with some tongs carefully removed a glowing, red-hot ember and placed it on the hearthstone beside the fire. Both men fixed their gaze on it, watching as its glow faded so that all that was left was a charred black coal. He then took the tongs again and placed the coal back into the fire, where it immediately began to glow again, until it again became red hot. Another minute or two passed. Then the visiting brother got up and made his way to the door. The house owner helped him on with his coat. Not a word had been said since they sat down in front of the fire. But with tears in his eyes, the man simply looked at him and said, 
Thank you so much for visiting, and thank you for your fiery sermon. I'll see you back at church again next Sunday. As we said, you and I need each other. When we try to go it alone, or when we don't give priority to being with fellow believers, the glow of our love, enthusiasm and commitment to the Lord rapidly fades and grows cold. How often have you been encouraged by a fellow disciple's joy in the Lord? How often have you received the sound, wise advice of an older Christian? How many times have you been helped and comforted through some difficult situation by the shared experience of another Christian? It was surely like that in the first Christian communities, which were described biblically as those who belonged to the way, the original and prescribed way of Christian discipleship. After all, we were created by God to be interdependent, not independent. All God's revealed purposes in the past, through Abraham to Moses and beyond, were centred on the establishment of a community of believers who would come together in unity of heart and purpose, in close relationship not only with each other but also with God, so close in fact that God repeatedly referred to them as my people in the Old Testament. It's not the least bit surprising then to find the same value and importance given to the idea of community in the New Testament among those who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are introduced to it first, as we say, in Acts chapter 2, where we also read, Those who had received his word were baptised, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. This was the beginning of something that would develop right through the New Testament writings. Everywhere, on the pages of the New Testament, we meet those who belong to a well-defined community of born-again believers, born-again disciples, all baptised by immersion in water, all added locally to Church of God fellowship, all serving together according to one pattern of teaching in every place, all maintained under a fellowship of elders while being separated to God. If we are to follow their example, then there will be no room for a lowest common denominator approach even today. Was it not our Lord's express desire for his followers that they may all be one? Unity like this can only be reached through a sincere commitment on our part to carefully follow the pattern the Lord laid down in his word. God calls us as individuals, it's true. But then he shows us in the Bible how we should come together with other believers who have the same desire to follow the Lord obediently. The unity we've been emphasising is really important to the Lord. So important, in fact, he even spoke about it as he was going out to die. Now, if that's the case, shouldn't we make sure we're in a community today that corresponds exactly with that first Christian community of those who belong to the way? Before we conclude this section on enjoying Christian fellowship, let's return to the church fellowship at Thessalonica, where we noted that the term examples was used. We've so far traced how prayer and quiet times, valuing and reading the Bible, and leading authentic lives of support to fellowship were being modelled at Thessalonica. Let's finish by hearing how they were also exemplary in their witnessing. Verse uh, 8 of chapter 1 says, The word of the Lord has sounded out from you. Martin Buber, the Jewish philosopher, recalls, my grandfather was lame. Once they asked him to tell a story about his teacher, and he related how his master used to hop and dance while he prayed. My grandfather rose as he spoke and was so swept away by his story that he himself began to hop and dance to show how the master had done. 
From that hour he was cured of his lameness. When we tell the story of our master, we too experience his power. Do tell your story to others again and again. I do hope you enjoyed Brian's talk today and found it helpful. If you have any comments or questions, please write in and Brian will be glad to help. Now, if you'd like to receive one of the books for this uh, series, please tell us, making sure to let us have your postal address, of course. Ask for the title, Helping New Christians Grow. You can order by email or post, and here are our contact details so you can make a note. Search for Truth... Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wotton Bassett, Swindon, Sierra November 4, 8 Delta Yankee, UK. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. You might be interested to know as well that many titles of Search for Truth transcript booklets have been turned into e-books and are available at amazon.co.uk forward slash Kindle ebooks. If you type in Search for Truth series into the search box, you'll find them all. Also, look out for Search for Truth featuring on www.twr360.org and you can find there another way of accessing what you first heard here on air. So, That's all we have for today. It's been great to have your company and I hope you can join us again next week when Brian will tell us from the Bible how to live victoriously as a Christian. Until then, very best wishes from Brian, David, our singers and me, John. So goodbye and may God richly bless you.